This is InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's what's happening on this week's show. Trying to find a job in today's economy? Or are you a boss looking for a great hire? We'll talk to a top headhunter. What he says may surprise you. It's epic because this has probably been the single greatest talent glut that America's ever faced. There's lots of good pickings out there at discounted prices, and employers aren't hiring them. Something is broken. Then, should how we measure your child's IQ be scrapped? An educator says we need to move to customized testing, and our kids are being held back by the current education system. We're comparing people to each other along a single standardized metric. What I want to call is for a shift from that whole way of thinking about intelligence to a very personal level. Those two stories, and much more, are heading your way on this week's edition of InfoTrack. Our show will begin right after this. InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's your host, Chris Whitting. If you've ever had to look for a job or you've ever hired someone to do a job, you know the employment system doesn't always work as it should. In fact, our next guest says America's employment system is broken. Headhunter Nick Corcadillos is host of AskTheHeadhunter.com and author of the new PDF book series, Fearless Job Hunting. Nick, you say that the current system for recruiting and hiring is a disaster of epic proportions. Why do you say that? Well, Chris, it's really pretty simple. If you look at the numbers, which I think people don't really do, there are currently around 12 million unemployed people in the United States, but there are about 26 million who are looking for jobs actively because they're underemployed. Then you consider how many vacant jobs there are in the United States. Right now, the figure is somewhere around three and a half million. So we have a ratio of about seven to one. In other words, employers have a seven to one advantage in this market because there's seven times as many people looking for jobs as there are jobs open. Then when you take a look at what HR managers call this ratio, they refer to it as a talent shortage. There's seven people for every available job. Even if you were to consider that maybe we have some deadbeat workers out there and uneducated, incapable people who aren't motivated to work. And I don't mean that as a put-down, but even if you make that worst-case assumption, we still have a tremendous number of people who are ready and able to ride a fast learning curve to be able to do most of the jobs that are open in America. There are very few rocket science jobs. There are very few jobs that are so tough that there are not existing folks out there on the street it's epic because this has probably been the single greatest talent glut that America's ever faced. There's lots of good pickings out there at discounted prices, and employers aren't hiring them. Something is broken. So you're saying people are not hiring even though there are qualified people out there? Absolutely. That's absolutely true. There are lots of talented folks out there who will tell you that they will go on six or seven interviews with one company, and they don't get an answer back. And you have to ask yourself, what are these companies doing talking to people so many times? incapable of even making a rejection. Well, it seems like there's so many new ways to get a job with the Internet and with digital documents, and it's so easy to connect with people these days. Wouldn't that tend to facilitate this process? Well, in fact, that's a fallacy. All the technology is really doing, and by the way, I'm all for using the technology. The problem is the technology gives us the impression that we're connecting people to jobs, and in fact, we're not. What winds up happening is companies are being convinced that the more key words they can put into a job description, the more perfect candidate they will be able to find. In fact, what's happening is they're over-defining these positions to the point where no one fits. 
Peter Capelli, who's a researcher down at Wharton Business School at University of Pennsylvania in Philadelphia, recently surveyed 15 to 20 years worth of data going backwards. And what he's found is there is no difference, really, in the education level of American workers. There really is no difference in the number of available workers for these kinds of jobs, and there's no real difference in the amount of skills that are available nowadays in terms of the right kinds of skills. And yet companies are using these systems, and they're over-requesting, and they're finding that all the keywords they want aren't out there. And yet they're not spending money to train people, to onboard them properly, to give them a proper learning curve. What they're really doing is trying to acquire talent at lower-than-market prices for jobs that they can't define accurately. And these online database systems just exacerbate the problem. They're really not helping. We're talking on InfoTrack with headhunter Nick Corcadillos, who is with AskTheHeadhunter.com, talking about the employment system in America. Nick, you mentioned employers making some stupid hiring mistakes. I wonder if you could just share a few of those with us. Well, what they'll do, for example, is they will post a position, and they will invite everyone and their brother to apply for the job. Then they will complain they just received 10,000 resumes for one position and they can't possibly screen through all of them on any kind of personal level and really understand who the candidates are. So they have to use automated systems to do it. The automated systems don't do a very good job. They wind up rejecting good candidates because they're just comparing keywords to keywords. So that's a huge mistake because some of the best people are slipping through the cracks and no one even knows it. That's a serious problem. Second, a company will send its personnel I affectionately refer to them as personnel jockeys. These are people who are relative greenhorns who don't really know what they're doing. They're being sent out to evaluate and do the first cut on engineers, scientists, highly technical people, and they get to decide who gets passed on to the hiring manager. What companies should be doing is having their hiring managers doing the pre-selection and the first cuts in order to make sure that they're getting the best ones who are coming in the door. Nick, what hints would you have for someone who is looking for work in terms of their resume? Are there any tricks of the trade that you might be able to suggest? Well, the problem is everyone focuses on tricks, Chris. The reality is a resume is probably the single worst tool that you could use to go get a job. Because if you stop and consider, once you take that dumb piece of paper, and I mean dumb in the sense that it really cannot communicate, all it has is fixed words on it. A manager or an employer looks at it and has some problem with it. It can't respond. It can't defend you. So you get tossed out of the mix. Throw your resume out and instead focus on picking out a small handful of companies and doing it the old-fashioned way. Triangulate. Find people who work for the company, vendors of the company, customers of the company. They're lawyers. They're consultants, people who do business with them. Go talk to those people and say, hey, you know what? I'm thinking about doing business with this particular company. Could you give me a little insight on what the business is like? Step by step, by talking shop with insiders, you will get the referrals you need to become one of those people who gets a job from an inside contact, which is where most jobs come from anyway. In terms of the resume, though, you still do need a resume, would you say? You should have a resume to be provided to the employer only after you made that first substantial contact because they need to fill in the blanks about your background. But if you're using it as a marketing tool, you're wasting your time because consider there are 27 million competitors out there doing the exact same thing. Which resume is a company going to look at first? Employers hire people they know or people who are known to people that they trust. That's where the referral system comes through. Between 40 and 70% of jobs are found and filled for personal contacts. And yet companies don't spend much money at all exploiting that system to get more of their people that way. So it's really up to the job hunter to say, hey, you know what? Time out. MonsterCom filled 1.3% of jobs last year. 1.3%. And yet we spent $1.3 billion on it. 
The system that really delivers hires and delivers jobs is personal contacts. That's where people need to be investing their time and money. Nick, what would you say to someone who's listening who has been looking for work for some time and they're maybe feeling frustrated and they're feeling they, they want to give up because it seems like they're just not getting hired? Do you have any advice for those people? Yes, Chris, what I would tell them is don't feel disheartened because the system is broken. It's not your fault. What you should do is sit back and ask yourself, what three or four companies would you love to work for? Life is short. Pick out the companies that you would really love to work for and then sit back and do your homework. Now, just as an example on how much homework I'm talking about, a company will pay a headhunter like me $25,000 to $30,000 to fill a $100,000 job. So I say to the job hunter, are you devoting twenty dollars to $30,000 worth of your time to getting a job at the company you want to work in? The answer is probably no, because the system, this employment system makes it so easy to apply to hundreds of jobs at once. People don't spend much time at all. And yet, the amount of work you do to get the job you want should be about equivalent to the work that you do when you have the job. And it takes the same kinds of skills. You want to do research on the company. You want to figure out what problems and challenges they face. You want to be able to present a reasonable and defensible plan that describes how you'll do the work. Day one, week one, month one, for three months, six months, a year. And yet these questions are usually not asked in interviews. And candidates don't offer the information because they're too busy answering why manhole covers around. So my advice to people is, take the companies you want to work for, make the contacts that you need. This is not easy. This takes time, but it pays off. Figure out what problems and challenges they face and be ready to show them how, if they hire you, you're going to drop more profitability to their bottom line. If you can't explain that, you really have no business in the interview. Headhunter Nick Corkadillos, host of AskTheHeadhunter.com, author of the new PDF book series, Fearless Job Hunting. Overcome the daunting obstacles that stop other job hunters dead in their tracks. And you can get his weekly newsletter at his website, AskTheHeadhunter.com. Nick, thanks so much for joining us today on InfoTrack. It's been a pleasure, Chris. Thank you for having me. Next, are the tests your kids take in school basically meaningless? An educator speaks out. Coming up. Stick around. There's more InfoTrack straight ahead.